go well. Welcome to the next instalment of the Apostles' Creed, which we've been following over the last few weeks. Um, what we've been doing is we've been reciting the Creed together in unison, but today what we're going to do is we're going to watch a video clip of a song called Creed by Rich Mullins, and it's got the lyrics on screen. Let it wash over you as we watch this. So, Chris, if you could... Thank you.
Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We feel you here. And we thank you that you are our good, good Father and that you love us, Lord. And I pray that this morning as we look more into who you are, that we would just fall deeper in love with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So good morning, everybody, on this wonderful Mother's Day. Um, we are indeed continuing the creed. My name's Darren, for those, most of you know me here. Um, as has been mentioned before, the creed isn't scripture, but it is a declaration of truth and an affirmation of our faith. So it's a really great series that we are we're going through, and today we have come to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, very often when you're giving a, a talk or a speech or, or a sermon, sometimes people like to give advice and say, Do you know what, start with a question. Ask the audience a question. Get them thinking, get them engaged. What's the hook you're going to grab them with? But actually, today, we're not starting with the question. We're starting with the answer. And the answer is the Holy Spirit. Because whatever situation you're in, whatever need you have, there isn't a single life that cannot be improved by just a touch from the Holy Spirit. He breathes on you, everything changes. Everything is transformed. Whatever your need is, we all have, we all have needs. Secret needs. Needs that we speak out openly. But the Holy Spirit changes everything. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. So when I saw that I was down to speak about the Holy Spirit today, I thought, wow, this is going to be great. This is going to be actually not too bad because I love the Holy Spirit. I thought, and you know what? It's easy to talk about someone you love, isn't it? You could talk about them all day long. You can wax lyrical about their qualities, their characteristics, the things about them that have blessed and transformed your life, the things that just brighten your world because they're in it. And more specifically, if you're in love, it's even deeper. And I'm in love with the Holy Spirit. I'm always thinking about the Holy Spirit. I thought, well, do you know what? This is going to be walk in the park. I'm going to be able to do this one quite easily. And actually, the more I reflected on it, I thought, oh, no. Actually, this is going to be impossible. Impossible. Why? Because with my very basic understanding and limited powers of expression, there is no way, absolutely no way, I can even begin to capture and convey even a hint, even a fragment of his wonder, his glory, his majesty, his splendor. Just can't do it. So I said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? How, how, do, I, how do I even approach this? And I felt he said say to me, do you know what? You don't have to fathom my depths. You can't. Just celebrate my presence. <coughs> celebrate my goodness. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to just very simply celebrate him and his presence. And we've already felt his presence here this morning, haven't we? So how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to look at um, the Holy Spirit in Scripture for a kind of historical basis, a bit of background. And then we're going to look at what that means for us today. So how does the presence of the Holy Spirit impact us today in the here and now? So let's start off then with our historical aspect, if you like, the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So the Bible, as we know, is a big book. Yeah? Even people who've never read the Bible 
Oh, they heard of the Bible. Everyone knows it's a big book. It's a heavy book. And the Holy Spirit is integral to the Bible, integral to everything that God is doing. So he permeates the scripture from beginning to end, literally. If we look at the very beginning of Genesis, at creation, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right at the very beginning of the Bible, the Spirit of God is there. He's there. And if you go right to the end of the Bible, right at the very end, so Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17, just a few verses before the very end of the Bible, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So the Holy Spirit is at the very beginning of the Bible, he's at the very end of the Bible, and he's all the way throughout. In the New Testament, alone in the Gospels, he gets 56 mentions. In the book of Acts, he's mentioned 57 times. In Paul's epistles, he's mentioned 112 times. The Holy Spirit is no mere footnote. He is God. He is, along with the Father and the Son, to be worshipped entirely. So, what we're going to do is just very, very briefly, because we cannot do it, it, it would take years to, to even get your head around who the Holy Spirit really is in Scripture. But we're just going to skim through a couple of highlights that, that kind of uh, stood out to me. So we've got the creation. And the Nicene Creed that we um, have been referring to expands a little bit on the Apostles' Creed as well. So when it talks about the Holy Spirit, the Nicene Creed says, we believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. So he has spoken through the prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, prophecy and the prophets were, were a huge thing. We've got an example here, Joel. In Joel 2.28... The day of the Lord. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fires and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood and the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, when the prophet spoke, Peter makes reference to this. And in 2 Peter 1.21, Peter writes, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's very important to note that when the prophets spoke, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel chapter 8, Ezekiel says, The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and in visions of God he took me to Jerusalem. So Ezekiel references the Holy Spirit as, as raising him up and giving him visions. And David, of course, the man after God's own heart, the great king of Israel, who wrote all the Psalms, many of the Psalms. His dying words, his last words, in 2 Samuel 23, verse 2, among those words he says, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, 
his word was on my tongue. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me, his word was on my tongue. Now in a person's closing hours, to say something like that shows you where his heart was. I'm going to make a confession now. In the days when I had hair, once upon a time, I uh, was a bit of a Bon Jovi fan. I know, I know. Guilty, guilty pleasure. And they had a song in the 90s, um, a ballad, Always. Know the song, Always? Anyone know? Anyone? Was it just me? Oh, gosh. A couple. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. I had hair back in those days, believe it or not. But Always, one of the... The, the, the final lyrics of that song, he says, when I die, you'll be on my mind, and I'll love you always. And I remember hearing that, thinking, wow, that's really, that's real intense passion, isn't it? That's real, real love. And what's David saying here in his, in his last words in, in 2 Samuel, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me, his word was on my tongue. Incredibly moving. Incredibly moving. So, the Holy Spirit, speaking through the prophets. Let's quickly mention as well um, talents that he bestows upon people. The Holy Spirit. When he breathes on you, you can do supernatural things. Samson, an example, celebrated for his great strength. It says in, um, in Judges 14 that when a young lion came upon him, he tore the lion apart as if it was a goat because the Spirit of the Lord was on him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Supernatural strength. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him. And what about artistic talents? Great, the great example here is in Exodus, Bezalel, the chief artisan who God has appointed to, to design things for his holy tabernacle. It says here, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. So the Spirit of God is breathed upon Bezalel so that he can create all these wonderful masterpieces. Now, I don't know if anyone here watches the Antiques Roadshow. I love the Antiques Roadshow. I often wonder, you know, if they had found some of these lampstands or bulbs that Bezalel had created for the, for the tabernacle. Could you imagine? The best bit's always, well, what's this worth? You know, they get to the, all the historical bit. What's the value of, of these artefacts created by someone who God has chosen? Not because the man has made them, but because the Spirit of God has been behind the creation of those objects. So they, they would be priceless and they would be perfect. Always wonder. So special talents. So prophecies. Now, the New Testament, if we just fast forward now. What did Jesus say about the, the Holy Spirit? What did Jesus himself say? In John 14, verses 16 to 17, Jesus says, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counsellor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then to verse 26, but the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
So the Holy Spirit always is, reflects back to, to the Lord Jesus. They're indivisible. And in, in John 16, so when he is shortly about to depart from, from the, the disciples, he says this, verses 5 to 15. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And then to verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from mine and make it known to you. He is Jesus' promise to us. Imagine our Saviour, who loved us so much, came all the weight of our sin, our guilt, our shame, says, it is for your good that I'm going away. He's the, uh, the great lover of our souls. The Lord Jesus comes and says, it is for your good shows you how much he values and treasures and recognises the importance that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, will have in our futures. He's absolutely key to, um, to our relationship with the Lord. Absolutely key. And if we go on to um, Pentecost, which is in Acts, Acts 2. Just read a couple of verses from there. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So all the, all the, the believers are there. And this is a very famous story of, of when the Holy Spirit was is going to come down on the believers for the first time. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting in. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit came down on them and they could speak in other languages. DR made mention of a guy at a conference that he went to recently. Surprise, I believe the guy's name was. He could speak 17 languages. How do you explain that? Without any training, without any learning, this guy could speak 17 languages. It's the Holy Spirit. Falling on this guy, anointing him, allowing him to speak in other languages, just as happened here. So the Holy Spirit is moving today. He is alive and he is well, he is in full force and he is moving today as he moved back then. And it's interesting to note that in the same story further down, when Peter speaks to the crowd, because the crowd, they think, well, these guys are drunk, but they're speaking and able to speak. What's happened? And Peter's like, no, it's nine o'clock in the morning, they're not drunk. And then he goes on to quote Joel, that we saw earlier, the passage from Joel 2, in the last days I will pour out my spirit. And we are in the last days now, aren't we? So we need to be expectant for pouring out of the Spirit on us now. So gifts of the Spirit, um, we're not going to go into that so much, but we'll mention it. The key about the gifts of the Spirit that I really want to emphasise here, so the, the, the gifts are wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, speaking different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. In Corinthians, it says that the Spirit gives spiritual gifts as he determines so the Spirit will give gifts as he determines. 
which shows that the Spirit is a person with a will. He chooses, he directs, he influences. So he is a real person with a will. So that is just a very, very quick um, historical background of the Spirit in Scripture. But really what we wanted to really just kind of go on to was how does the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, impact our lives today in the here and now, in Hatfield, in Hertfordshire, wherever, wherever towns you, you've come to visit from today? Well, in a number of ways. First of all, he is our guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He is our beacon, our helper. So I suppose the question is now, what difference does it, does it make to us knowing that we have the Holy Spirit with us, the indwelling Holy Spirit? Because back in the old days, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, clouds of fire, a cloud and a pillar of fire, burning bush, we don't really see those signs today. doesn't mean that God couldn't do it, but it's the indwelling Holy Spirit who is the presence of God with us. But what difference does it make to us that we have that indwelling Holy Spirit with us? How does it change the way we think, which change the way we behave? So being our guide, I pray for direction all the time. I, I am always seeking God's direction. Lord, what do I do? What do I do? And for me, we've, we've heard reference, Emma mentioned about the whisper, the still voice that you hear, the peace that comes through scripture, through having the godly mentor speak in truth in accordance with scripture into my life. It's guidance that comes from the spirit. Always in accordance with, with his word. And for me, it's always peace. Life is very stormy, it's very, it's very unpredictable, it's very rough. So where do we go? What's our anchor? When it, in turbulent times and we, and we need help, we need guidance, we need reassurance. Well, we have, we have our church family, we have our people around us, but ultimately, it's the direction of the Spirit. It's the Spirit speaking to us through his word, through, through the inner conviction, through our fellow relationships that we have with our believers. The Holy Spirit also is our conscience molder. This is DR's phrase, conscience molder, which I like. He influences our attitude, shapes our character, convicts us. When we've done something wrong, we know we've, we know we've done something wrong, don't we? We have, a deep, we have an inner conviction. So what do we do about that? For me, knowing that I have the Holy Spirit in me, means that I can't really bear a grudge too long against somebody. Sometimes I might want to in my flesh, I might be really angry with someone, but actually I know that if I, make, if I stay angry with somebody and I can't forgive them, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And that's going to mess everything up for me, and I know that. It says in Ephesians 4, 30, 30 to 32, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We've all been forgiven. 
so much. And we need to forgive. If we're unable to forgive, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has feelings. He's a person. He has a will, as we've seen. He gives spiritual gifts as he determines. But he can be grieved. He can be hurt. And when you grieve the Spirit, and I've grieved him, I know what it's like to, to grieve him. And it's, it's the worst thing. So I'm not going to allow an offence that someone has caused me to interfere with my relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's very important for me. So he, that really does affect how I respond when I'm offended. It, it's, it's, it's a very big influence for me. And the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5, 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this fruit, these fruits are the evidence of his presence in our lives. And we have to, if we have the indwelling spirit in us, then we have to be displaying these fruits at some point. Because an apple, if you have an apple tree that never grows apples, you could justifiably ask the question, well, is this really an apple tree? Where are the apples? Where's the fruit? If we have the spirit in us, but we're not displaying any of the fruits of the spirit, we need to challenge ourselves and say, well, we need to get deeper and say, well, Lord, where, what's the issue with me that I'm not displaying these fruits? So it's important if we're rooted in the spirit, we will be displaying these fruits. The Holy Spirit is also our miracle worker. He works miracles. Miracles, I mean, healings. People get healed because of the Holy Spirit. Example from me. Several years ago now, I had tennis elbow. Went to a prayer meeting here at the offices. Dom and Alex prayed for my tennis elbow. Doctors had looked at it, I was wearing a strap, and it was causing me like an electric pain up, up, up my right arm, and it was caused by a repetitive strain injury because I work on a computer, and it was probably a bad posture or, or overuse had, had um, caused this uh, tendonitis in my um, arm, in my forearm, and it was really, really sharp and painful. And Alex and Dom prayed for me in the offices, and it... And this was after months of, of treatment from, from doctors and physios. These guys prayed. And I got home that evening, and for the first time in, in months, I was able to open my fridge and get, a four, get four pints of milk without any pain. Just like that. That was a miracle. I declare that was a miracle. And it's never come back. It came, it came back actually one time as an attack when I was going to Russia with DR one morning. Boom, it came up but that was just a, a one-off. But the Holy Spirit moves through prayer. And that was a miracle. And, and, and another example I will give is years ago, uh, in the church I was going to, there was a, an Irish farmer called Horace. This guy couldn't read. But the day he got baptised, from that moment on, he was able to read scripture. He couldn't read anything else. He couldn't read a newspaper, he couldn't read a cereal packet, couldn't read a leaflet. The day he got baptised, he was able to read scripture. That's the Holy Spirit. Um, my dad, one day, was at a, has, uh, had some difficulties um, in a business that he had, and he went to a church that he, he hadn't been to before, and somebody who he didn't know 
came up to him. My dad's called Sam. He says, excuse me, are you Sam? My dad's like, yeah. Um, do I know you? And he's like, no, no, but I saw your face in my dream last night and God wanted me to tell you that he loves you. What's that? It's the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit at work today. Breakthroughs. My work situation, I had, over the last couple of years, I had some really low points in my work situation. I just had to be patient, wait on God and praise him, and praise him, but he broke through. Having an attitude of gratitude, giving thanks instead of complaining, just trusting him, knowing that his plans and purposes for me are good, and really believing that. I can't see the evidence of it at times. I'll just wait for God and praise him. Wait for God, praise him, be patient, rejoice, give thanks in all things, and the breakthrough came. Transformation in my work situation, I have the same colleagues, the same office that I used to be in, but everything's different. Everything, it's like the temperature in the room's different now. Why? Breakthrough caused by the Holy Spirit intervening, transforming a situation. Whatever your situation is, touch from the Holy Spirit, will transform it. We'll always transform it for the better. And as Don mentioned in his uh, sermon on this, Christ intercedes on our behalf with the Father. But in Romans 8, 26 to 27, it mentioned that the Holy Spirit as well is interceding for us on our behalf. It says, we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with words that groans cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That should make us bold, knowing who we've got in our corner. If we have Christ interceding for us and we have the Holy Spirit interceding for us, truly, who can be against us? Who can be against us? No wonder Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. We have the Holy Spirit in our corner. We have the Lord Jesus in our corner, interceding for us with the Father. That is a reason for, for celebration, for boldness, for confidence. We are more than conquerors because of that. And in John 16, 17 to 18, Jesus says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This was by the power of the Spirit moving in this day and age, that these things will happen. So the Holy Spirit, he's also our guarantee of our inheritance to come. He is the one who seals us into all that is Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. He's our secure foundation. When we have him, we are absolutely secure. He is the promise. He is our promise. A guarantee of our inheritance to come. The Holy Spirit is also the one who rebirths us, the regenerator, the life giver. Jesus was clear that to be born again, to enter the kingdom of God, one must be born of the Spirit. In John 3, 5, he says, I tell you the truth, 
No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. The Spirit is essential. We can't breathe without air, and we can't have life without the Spirit. He's absolutely essential, and we need him to function. And the Holy Spirit is the stimulator of our worship and praise, isn't he? He gives us gifts that allow us to, to worship him. And we, we have amazing times of worship in this church. We have Paul and the, and the worship team. They're amazing. We have such wonderful anointed times here. But what makes those times of worship and praise so special? Not because the musicians are great and the singers are great. We have Sam, we have great singers here. Emma, great musicians, great singers. But it's the spirit of God that anoints these guys and anoints the meeting when we invite him in to our worship sessions. We have, how many times have we seen inspired, almost seemingly random songs being played, people coming up and, and singing these incredible melodies and these lyrics that it seems to just come down onto them? It happens a lot here. And it's incredible. And I think the thing that really sticks out to me about this is that here, as small as we are, we give the Spirit room to breathe here. The Spirit is always welcome here. He is front and centre of everything that we do here. And that's why so many of our meetings here have a kind of an unpredictability about them. You just don't know exactly what God's going to do in a meeting here. I love that. I absolutely love that. We have people from the congregation coming up and sharing testimonies or visions, prophetic words. We have tongues that we can't understand being spoken and then someone interprets, and it blesses all of us. It's the supernatural at work here and now in Hatfield, and it's happening here on a regular basis. It is incredible how we see that the, when we see and we feel. Even today, I have felt the spirit of, of the Lord here. Even and we see people being moved to tears, and it just it just lifts us all up to know that God is at work, and He is here. Ultimately. The Holy Spirit is the real presence of God for us in the here and now. There's so much that he's doing on our behalf all the time. All the time. He's speaking to us all the time. If we could get rid of some of the, the clutter and distractions that cloud our lives nowadays, take some time and just, just be open and listen to what he has to say. He's always speaking and seeking to reach us. He loves us. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is, he is God. And I can't get my head around what that, the, the theological concepts of that. I just know what I feel. I just know the experiences that I've had, how I feel him with, in, in my heart. I just, feel, I just feel and know him. And I'm, I'm kind of discovering new things about him all the time. And I can never get to the bottom of it or understand it, but I embrace it. And I know that he's working for my good and that he's interceding for me. And it's exciting. It's exciting to, to walk with the Spirit because you don't know what he's going to do. He's not, he's, not, he's not like a safe... Um, a ride with the Holy Spirit isn't really like wearing a, safe, a safety belt. I think it's kind of an exciting, stimulating roller coaster. You don't know where he's going to take you, but you know it's going to be good. And you look back and you say, wow, the Spirit carried me through that and it was incredible. And you will have a, a story to share with people to inspire them, to encourage them, to uplift them. So he is good and he is 
he's like, yeah, we, we need him, we need him, we so need him. I just want to close with the last words that Jesus himself said before he ascended into heaven, which shows you the importance, reminds us of the importance of the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, his last words on earth were this, in Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. That includes Hatfield, yeah? And the surrounding areas. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not you might. Oh, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you'll receive it. No, you will. Jesus says it. It's a fact. So I'm going to hand back now to, to the worship team. And we're going to celebrate and we're going to praise the Holy Spirit more because he is worthy. He is worthy. <laughs>